Welcome to Let It Grow Investing, the financial investing and small business podcast that is not run by a professional investor. I am Jeff, and thank you for stopping by. We're going to cover all the news you need to know to make sense of the market, helping you get invested, stay the course, and on your way to financial freedom. What's going on, guys? Welcome back into the podcast here. And uh, thanks, as always, for being here. And uh, we've got a lot of different stuff to cover today. I know we often say that, but uh, this this day is just kind of rapid, a little bit all over the place. And uh, I'm a little bit short on time. So uh, I did start back up to my full spring schedule. I am, you know, running 47 different ways at any given point in time. But I do want to be here to do this episode for you guys and to really kind of help uh, myself and you guys navigate the market. So that is why I am here. So uh, I guess we'll, we're going to dive right in today. But uh, if you do need help getting started, I do have some links in the description to uh, you know get to a different brokerage. Or if you're looking to start an IRA, great way to you know tuck away some tax-free money uh, or even crypto. I've got links for all those different accounts that I use. Uh, Crypto.com, Binance, E-Trade, and Weeble, that's where we're doing the investing challenge for 2023. And if you'd like to catch up with that, I do have links in the description to join the Facebook group as well. And then you can vote and you know take part in the investing challenge. So with that being said, we've got uh, you know definitely a more of a down market on Tuesday. We did get beat down a good bit. And you know I, I got a couple questions as to what is going on? Why is there so much fear out there? What happened? Well, first off, Powell came out and, you know, sounded more hawkish. So he uh, made it seem like, you know, there's a better chance that we're going to be raising these interest or the the rates quicker than we previously expected. You know, just on Sunday, I was telling you guys that we were still looking like we were pretty strong, that we were going to be getting 25 basis points. Uh, It was probably about 16 days. Now we're down to 13 days and 21 hours until that next Fed uh, meeting. But uh, yeah, we were 70% for 25 basis points, only about 30% for uh, going to that full 50 basis point hike. Well, I definitely thought that that was going to be the case. And then he came out on Tuesday and this completely flopped. Uh, It went on the CME, the Fed watch tool. I'm looking at it now. Uh, On Tuesday, it was a 50% chance that we were going to get that full 50 uh, basis point hike. And now on Wednesday, we are 78% chance that we are going to 50 basis points. So we did have that uh, that talk from Powell. That hurt the, uh, the market overall. And then we had, uh, what else do we have? We did have an ADP jobs report, which also hurt. So in uh, February, there was 242,000 jobs that were added. Only 200,000 were expected. So that came in hot. And uh, wages also up. We were looking at uh, this ADP report saying that wages from 22, if you stayed in your job, you had a 7.2% raise, which is pretty massive seeing that you know, normally we're just trying to outpace inflation, which is like 2%. Granted, inflation was hot, but you know normally these employers can't uh, you know increase that much every year. So 7.2% if you stayed at your job. Now, if you got a new job, that number was 14.3% higher than your previous wage. So we're definitely seeing a uh, a wage growth spiral, right? Where we're seeing uh, more people have more money on hand, which ultimately leads to more spending, which just kind of creates this uh, this spiral of inflation, 
uh, on items and on wages that just kind of keeps going up. And we really need to find out a way to slow that down. So the Fed is thinking, hey, we've got to react to the news that we're getting. And then, you know, just for fun, President Biden proposes that uh, all federal workers get a 5.2% uh, raise. So there is a lot going on. You, you know, the, you can't fight the Fed, but uh, the, the Fed's trying to fight off everything else right now. So there is a, a lot, you know, at surface value as to what's happening there. So uh, I do think that the market is going to be cooling. Uh, we did have uh, David Solomon, where's he at? Goldman, I believe. He did say that, you know, he thinks that there's a better chance for a soft landing, which I'm not too sure how that happens, but uh, he is a bullish on a soft landing. I don't know that I believe it at this point. It just seems a little too rocky, but uh, that's his thought. So there's a lot of different currents going on in the market. And uh, then, yeah, we've got uh, more news from Silvergate, the uh, the bank that is backing a lot of crypto, doing a lot of deposits for a lot of different crypto brokerages. And uh, the FDIC went over there to their headquarters and basically was discussing emergency arrangements including a possible injunction of uh, or injection of liquidity from major crypto investors. So they want to fund this thing so you know the bank doesn't fail, so all the deposits don't stop. They really want to make sure that uh, people aren't going to have a major collapse due to this bank having issues. Now, that uh, you know helped in the early morning hours here on Wednesday, but uh, I believe that right now, last I looked, they were down about 7%. I'm going to take a look here on E-Trade. Just bear with me. I got to sign back in. But um, yeah, so that is definitely hurting what's going on in the crypto world. And um, overall, the, the market is trying to find some ground. Uh, I'm 0.05% up on the day, which is very, very quiet in the grand scheme of things. So where are we? Let's look at Silvergate. Ticker is SI. And I want to pull this one up. What do we got? We are down 5.76% today again. So just uh, if you're up to date on this one, uh, one year ago, we were sitting at uh, $162. Currently, we are sitting at $4.91. It is just completely brutal if you were invested into this one. And uh, it's uh, it's scary. We're we're not too certain of as to what's going to happen out there in the crypto space, especially in Silvergate. Like I said last time, there's so many uh, crypto brokerages saying, "Hey, we don't have any ties to Silvergate," or "Hey, we have this, but that's all we have." Crypto is actually still holding up. Bitcoin is at twenty two one, and uh, Ethereum's at fifteen hundred and sixty. So Bitcoin, I do believe it dropped down into that uh, that twenty one thousand range, and uh, you know quickly found its way back higher above twenty two. But um, I am still watching this one close, and I do think that around the twenty thousand is probably where I will add next. I will continue to add to this one on the way down. I'm a long term, uh, you know, hodler. I'll say where I really want to. Uh, collect as much that I can and still maintain a balanced portfolio. I am not super heavy into crypto. Right now, it's probably about seven and a half, eight percent of my overall portfolio, but I do want some exposure there. I do not want exposure in the way of Silvergate or a lot of these other, um, you know, crypto funds, micro strategies, 
Marathon Digital. I really don't want those. I'd rather hold the, the coins myself. Uh, one exception that I w have looked at a few times uh, has been Coinbase. And uh, I did trade that one briefly when it went IPO. But uh, overall, right now, I am not even looking to buy that one. They are sitting at uh, $63. And uh, there is about 5% of downside on Coinbase. But uh, when they did IPO, um, where did we even IPO at? Now it's looking like last March, they were at uh, about 206. But when it did IPO, it spiked up to about uh, 357. So this one has definitely collapsed as well. And uh, it's not one that I want to be in at this point. So I am staying away from those. If I'm going to do anything, I'm going to add to my crypto holdings. That's what I've got. But uh, where are we at from there? We've got Ford. They are uh, cutting the price of the Mach-E in China. They are trying to liquidate those from pretty much now until uh, I believe it was the end of April. Let's see if I can't pull this one up now. And yeah, I think it was April 30th, March 8th to April 30th. But uh, I'm having a hard time finding that one. Now, uh, Tesla, they did do some price cuts on the, uh, the Model S and the Model X which uh, are definitely bringing those prices down. I believe the Model S is now around 89.9, and I believe the Plaid is around 105. Uh, I'm not uh, up to date on what the, um, the Model X is looking like. I don't follow that as much. But um, what else we got? We still got uh, more people looking to cut jobs, especially in that tech sector. And um, yeah, things are, things are just all over the place out there. So the one more thing, we've got Palantir. I will say that uh, they were awarded a contract for $99.6 million for software for the uh, Department of State. So that is going to be really nice to see Palantir, you know, control some some larger contracts and ultimately get uh, more of their products out there, especially in the, uh, the government sector. Uh, what else do we got? We've got, uh, yeah, I talked about Biden. We've got... Um, American Airlines telling their pilots that they're going to match Delta's pay. And uh, I guess pilots from Delta just got a four-year contract with 34% in cumulative raises. So we are seeing a, a high demand for pilots out there. And uh, I, th I think that's going to be another wage growth spiral that we are just really going to be fighting. So a lot of, uh, a lot of undercurrents, a lot of tides out there that are doing a lot of different things with the market. But, um, you know, one thing that I've been watching really close has been these covered calls that I wrote. And I've told you guys this one. I wrote one on Marathon, uh, Marathon Petroleum, MPC. And where are we? Man, this was uh, this is a wild ride. I, I didn't really expect this out of Marathon. When I bought this call, it was uh, about a, trading around $124. It uh, was a 131 strike. That means if the price got to 131, and this is going to uh, execute to end of business on the 10th, which is two days from now, um, my shares would be gone if it is above $131. So this has been an absolute wild ride as far as Marathon. I would expect this out of some more volatile stocks. But Marathon has a beta of a 0.7, which means it normally doesn't have too much uh, movement. Now, this one has been all over the place. Like I said, I bought it at 124 and uh, it spiked up to around 130, 134 or so. 
and and just kind of tiptoed where I was losing these shares and I was going to end up selling them. And then now it is back down. It's down $2.34 today as they just took a stake in a 49% interest in LF Bioenergy from Cresta Fund Management for $50 million. So thankfully, they, they spent some money and ultimately it looks like uh, I might be able to keep these shares. We still got a wild ride ahead of us, but uh, I didn't really expect so much uh, volatility out of Marathon. If you would have said ChargePoint, DraftKings, uh, Palantir, pick another name, Tesla, I would have expected this kind of wild moves, but I thought this was a surefire play. Uh, right now we look safe. I'm still down or, you know, it's still under about $3 and some change, but ultimately we will see, uh, you know, what this is going to bring by uh, Friday. So I'm still doing this one. I'm still watching it close, but, um, yeah, I'm still really looking to build some, uh, covered call positions to go ahead and, uh, you know, really I'm trying to fund my IRA, through the uh, the premiums that I'm getting on these covered calls. So if you got questions, feel free to ask them. I, I'll try to do my best, and I really want to uh, educate as much as I can on the covered calls. And uh, I still need to be educated myself, so I might have to point you somewhere else. But um, certainly something that I'm trying to do more of, and uh, really kind of leverage my portfolio in order to make some more money off of some of these different names. So that's uh, that's what I got on the covered call front. That's what I got on uh, the things that I'm doing. Um, I did buy a couple shares. Really, the only reason I bought a couple shares here was to get a couple different positions above 100 uh, share count in order to write more covered calls, which uh, I, I guess I'm definitely looking at it more than I ever have. But uh, yeah, Qualcomm, Disney, I bought some more of those. And really, like I said, just to get over a hundred shares. So that's what I got there. Now, the next question I wanted to uh, really try to answer as best as I can is building a portfolio, right? So uh, Matt in the the Facebook group had asked me, "Hey, have you ever heard of basically cherry picking um, some of the top stocks from different ETFs that do really well?" And I, I have, I've seen some people write uh, or make their portfolio, uh, say 50% of VOO, 25% of Apple, or you know 25% of Tesla, and a mixture of things. I've definitely seen that. Now, I don't really think that that is the best idea to have you know 20 plus percent in any given one single stock. It is not my style. That is very risky. Uh, you know, should you know. Tesla happened to where it goes from 400 down to 100. It's a volatile stock. Are you really wanting to bet that much of your portfolio on one name? For me, that's a no. I try to keep about 5% um, max on any one single stock in my portfolio. And uh, let's, let's actually take a look at that right now. Let's see if I can uh, validate what I'm saying or if it's just words. And uh, I will take a look at... Um, percent of portfolio. That is how I'm going to filter out this. Uh, so yeah, currently my my top five positions, Apple, AbbVie, Tesla, Google, Microsoft. So uh, Apple is 4.58%, AbbVie 4%, Tesla 3.8%, you know, so on and so forth. Still, they're 3% uh, positions. Uh, so I don't really 
advocate having way too much exposure into any one name. Uh, there's probably some outliers in that situation where, you know, you're getting your stock from your, you know, your employer, you can buy it cheaper and you're getting a discount on it. And you're, you know, you have to hold it for X amount of time until you can sell it. That might be uh, one thing. Uh, probably still not my, my favorite thing. Cause if you got all your eggs in one basket and you work there, uh, you know, should, you know, that company go out of business, you, you lose your stocks and you lose a job at the same time. So that's really not my favorite position to be in either, but, uh, it is kind of a, a thing where if you're getting them through a buy window and, you know, you get five or 10% off the share price, and then you have to wait six months in order to sell them that, that could be a, a, a different situation, different scenario. But uh, yeah, I do think that going into uh, some of your favorite ETFs, whether you're looking for uh, a REIT or a tech fund or whatever, you can certainly get some knowledge from these uh, different positions that are in these uh, these major funds. That's definitely a way to do it to where um, you know you're you're picking some of your favorite stocks from these top uh, top ten of say uh, you know a Vanguard ETF or a Schwab ETF, you really like those names, they seem to be doing well for them. Uh, but now we got to really take a look at uh, when do we want to buy them. So uh, we were talking about ExxonMobil in the group, uh, as well as United Health. And, um, you know, those are some top holdings. Uh, I think they're in VOO. Let's take a look here on VOO. I'm looking at the portfolio. And uh, yes, they are number eight and nine for uh, VOO. And uh, they make up 1.3% for Exxon and 1.3% for United Health. So the uh, the question comes into when do you want to buy these, right? And I think that uh, you know, looking at these, uh, I like United Health a lot right now. Uh, I guess sidebar, I do own United Health. I will say that. But uh, when I'm looking at that one, it does have some upside. It does have. Uh, you know, some some buy signals that I think are, you know, where it's trading at a fair value. It's in the healthcare sector. So it's a little bit more insulated from a recession. So even if we get a slowdown, uh, you know, a lot of their business is 55% in Optum Health and 44.9% uh, is United Healthcare. So when I'm looking at that one, let's take a look here on Reuters. We are in a buy zone. We do have a price target appreciation of 26%. So that in itself with uh, 22 analysts saying that it's a buy is uh, kind of reassuring, right? We've got earnings per share forecasted to grow over the next two years. We've got annual revenue 11% up this year and 19% up in 2024. So I definitely like where the, uh, the revenue is going. I like the fact that the dividend has grown 14% in the last year. And the dividend only makes up 31% of the uh, of the actual payout. That's all that they're paying out in their dividend. So if it's under 60%, I like that. Uh, now, when it comes to price to sales, it's trading at a 1.4, uh, which is higher than their five-year average, but it is cheaper than the S&P by 36%. When we're looking at a trailing PE, 0.3% discount. So it's not on you know crazy sale, but uh, it's fairly valued right now. You know, by uh, you know, quick quick math here, three percent discount on the forward PE. So you're getting uh, you know, a good entry point. You're getting a lot of revenue growth over the next two years. 
Your forward peg ratio is a 1.4. So it is not, you know, a screaming peg ratio that anything is wrong. But, um, you know, it is trading with the five-year average and it is lower than the S&P 500. So for all those different reasons, you know, the, the dividend growth, the fact that revenues are growing, that, uh, you know, things are in line, I could say I would add to this position here for myself. Uh, I could say that, you know, if I were looking to enter a position, I would probably do so and maybe buy over the next two, three, four months, something like that, and really build this one out in that time frame. Now, conversely, when I'm looking over there at ExxonMobil, what am I seeing? Well, you know, we came off of a, uh, you know, a crazy wild ride for, for oil and gas stocks. And, uh, you know, this time last year, gas was, you know, peaking at, you know, some, some record highs and, uh, now it's cooled off. You know, we're worried about uh, a recession. We're worried about, uh, you know, where people are going to be traveling, what the demand is going to be for oil or gas. And, you know, it's definitely in a spot where things are slowing for Exxon. Right. So that is definitely something that is worrisome. So when I'm looking at the numbers here, it is still rated a buy by 29 analysts, but uh, 11% price target appreciation. Now, earnings per share, negative the next or, or slowing the next two years. Annual revenue, negative the next two years, minus 3.8% forecasted growth. 2024, minus 8.6% forecasted growth. So um, that's also a sign that things are slowing down, right? We, we know that. We see that. We were definitely coming off of a, a, a weird, wild ride after crypto where everyone wanted to get out, travel, RVs, boats, you know, four-wheelers, anything outdoors. You couldn't, you know, not uh, sell these items. There was a backlog on everything. Everything was in demand. Anything outside was in demand. And now that is not the case. You know, things are definitely slowing down on that front. Uh, dividend growth, only 1.7%. We've got uh, dividend payout, 27%, which is, you know, it's low. I'm not uh, not against that dividend. I think their dividend is going to be safe. They are, you know, pretty, uh, pretty strong in that regard. Their uh, price to sales is sitting pretty much flat at a 1.1. Their trailing PE, 52% discount. Their forward PE, 44% discount. But now when I look at that, you know, we, we're got to ask the question as to why that is. And I think a lot of that is that it's already priced in that this stock is slowing for the next two years. So the once these forecasts come out that uh, these numbers are going to be lower, no one is rushing in to buy this one. They're getting out of it now that everyone, uh, that the cycle has really peaked. So once the cycle peaks, this is going to drop. And uh, yes, it's trading over or, or under it where it currently uh, the historical values are sitting, but uh, we're not getting the growth. We're not seeing the numbers rise and we're going to you know, kind of start pricing in some rougher quarters going forward. So the fact that it is trading at a discount really doesn't help us when we see that uh, annual revenue and earnings per shares are, are also going to be declining. So I wanted to point that out. You're in a rough time to buy this one. I think that this one could still go down. Uh, you know, and then when would I look to buy that one? I'm thinking more at a four, four and a half percent dividend starts to make sense. Cause right now, if you wanted to buy Exxon and you're in it for the dividend, you're not getting the the best amount of dividend that you can get. You're, you know, buying in at a time where I think this one is ultimately going to slow a little bit more. 
And uh, you also have other options to do with your cash. I think T-bills or any of the treasuries, things like that, or bonds could also be a strong contender versus a slowing share price on something like ExxonMobil. And uh, Exxon is currently paying about uh, 3, 3.26% dividend. So you can get more simply putting it in a, a six-month or a one-year um, T-bill. There's also you know some options with CDs. There's a, a lot of different plays out there right now that if you're looking to park your cash, I don't know that Exxon is going to be your safest bet. Uh, I do think that the the company is going to be safe long term. Yes, you got some EV, you know, headwinds that they're trying to fight. Yes, there's definitely that fear, but uh, I think Exxon and uh, is is definitely going to be on the forefront of trying to do other things for renewables, sustainable, and uh, still, you know, create the product that they know, but still be an energy company. I definitely see that that is in the cards for them. I don't think that they're down and out but I think it is a rough time to go ahead and start a position in Exxon at this point with, you know, very little upside. Uh, you know, Trefis is saying that it's a, a negative uh, price target at a minus 5% uh, where tip ranks is saying it's about 11%. So I don't really see any real reason to jump into this one soon. I would wait for the dividend to come up personally. I'm not saying that, uh, it's a, a bad stock, a bad company, but it's just not the right time for me to go on a buying spree on Exxon or really, um, in that case, a lot of different oil stocks. That's one of the reasons that I did that covered call on Marathon was I did not think it was going to get to that 131. And then they had a big news piece about, uh, you know, being a great company, being undervalued and the, the CEO was on something. And that's uh, ultimately one of the things that sent the stock up. But um, I don't think that that oil space is really in that boom cycle anymore. I think that is slowing. So that is one of the reasons I was looking to do the covered call. That's one of the reasons I'm staying away from buying a lot in the oil patch right now. And ultimately, kind of where my head's at with what's going on with the cyclicality of oil uh, at this point in time. So that's what I got there. Um, the other one I wanted to talk about. Uh, I did talk about this one last time was MPW and uh, MPW. If you are not up to date on this one, <coughs> excuse me, they are, they are a heavy dividend payer and they're currently paying about 11.5% a dividend. Uh, so a massive uh, payer when it comes to the dividend, but a lot of what is the, the fear right now, I talked to last time about having a lot of short sellers out there and, uh, bringing the price down ultimately. So there was a lot of fear that uh, the, the dividend was in, uh, in in fear of getting cut, which is still ultimately a concern. There is enough free cash flow in order to cover the dividend. That is not so much the concern. The uh, properties that they have, they had four that were ultimately, they were collecting some fines or some litigation. There's a bunch of different lawsuits being looked into right now. Moody's ultimately downgraded their credit score, which then <clears throat> is also bringing down the, uh, you know, the the amount of money that they would be able to borrow at, or if they need to start another uh, project, another hospital, another medical building, that their borrowing would be at a more expensive rate. So a lot of the thought there was, well, if they cut the dividend, if that free cash flow does slow down, they need to spend on 
uh, investments to start another facility, they would have to go ahead and cut this dividend in order to have the cash so they do not have to borrow at higher rates due to a credit uh, you know, a downgrade. So I do think that the company is still safe. The dividend looks safe right now, but ultimately we're trying to get through some of this litigation and ultimately move forward past that. But there are some, some headwinds that they are in. That is a lot of the reason that this one is trading down. So I still think it's getting to the point where this is a really good uh, pickup for myself. And uh, if they do cut that uh, that dividend, even if they cut it, uh, you know, 20%, it's still a pretty sound dividend from the standpoint of how much you're getting versus, uh, you know, what you've got invested into this. So that dividend yield would still be pretty high if they don't go on a, a massive slash of the dividend. And ultimately, they do have to pay out a lot of their earnings in the way of dividends. That is what is going to qualify them as a REIT. And ultimately, that is, you know, really the way that they have to go as far as paying a dividend. Now, if they don't have as much income because they're you know investing elsewhere, they obviously wouldn't have to pay out as much to maintain that uh, that qualification. But uh, I did want to bring you up to speed that there was a credit downgrade. Uh, there was a lot of short sellers. There's a lot of fear of what could happen with this litigation. So that is a lot of the fear out there with MPW. But with that being said, I'm going to take a quick break and uh, see if I can't uh, get this cough to go away. I will be right back. We're going to talk investing challenge and uh, ultimately wrap this one up for you guys. So uh, stick around. I will be right back. All right, guys, welcome back to the podcast here. And uh, I am taking a quick look over at our Webull portfolio for our Let It Grow Investing Challenge for 23. And uh, we did go ahead and buy uh, ticker L-A-N-D, Gladstone Land, on Monday. We bought uh, that after uh, our vote for week 10 over there on the group page on Facebook. So we did add that one. We are still sitting in the red in this portfolio. We are down 6%, but uh, we are up about three-tenths of a percent on the day. So what uh, what are the actual positions that are bringing us uh, any kind of green in this portfolio? Well, um, I guess these are a little bit out of order just because of some of them have been purchased twice. But uh, Starbucks, 26% up. MGM, 20% up. American Express, 27.4. Um, Broadcom, UPS, Lowe's, Simon Property, United Airlines, Iron Mountain, uh, all in the green. Uh, when I'm looking at the negative ones, where are we? Uh, Shopify, Honest Company, Plug Power. Those are going to be our three big losers, followed by Ford. That is, uh, is definitely a painful one as well. But um, yeah, we are definitely waiting for some, some greener days ahead of us here. But we're going to continue to rally on and uh, look for some different opportunities out there to really build this portfolio to where we are going to be set up for a rebound. So um, when I'm looking at uh, at week 11, what do we got here? We've got uh, number one. I'm going to take a look at this one first. I did write it out of order. But uh, ultimately, the, the first one here is going to be Salesforce. Now, Salesforce and Mark Benioff, they are uh, you know pretty skilled in what they do. And uh, they have been through a recession before. So when we are looking at, uh, you know, the, the company here, we are seeing them actually get some traction here. 
and uh, they are now sitting up around 182. Uh, we did get to a low of uh, about 126 back in December. So that has definitely been a nice uh, rebound here for them. We did have uh, the, the co-CEO say that he was going to ultimately leave the company after being there for just over a year, I believe it was. But, um, you know, Mark Benioff is going to move on forward without him. And ultimately, I think that he can manage his company as it was his company from the get-go. So um, ultimately, I do like the company. I think that they are in a strong place. I think that you know, a lot of small businesses or larger businesses are going to lean on them for that customer relations management. So that uh, is going to be number one, the ticker CRM for Salesforce. Number two, this one does not have a, uh, a price target or anything else like that. That one is going to be Bitcoin. Now, Bitcoin, BTC, I am really hoping that, uh, you know, all the things, all the fears with Silvergate, with all the different crypto bank, banking, lending, all the problems really start to get uh, washed out in the next uh, couple days. So ultimately, by Monday, we can enter at a lower point and build a larger position here in Bitcoin. Uh, I'm still a bull long term, like I told you as we started this episode, and uh, I would definitely be happy to see us add some more to the uh, the portfolio. Now, Number three, this one is not getting any love, and it, it kind of surprised me. Uh, I think we tried to vote on this one uh, last year in 22 at some point, and that name is Mercado Libre. The ticker is M-E-L-I. Now, this one is a Latin America Amazon. Let's let's think of it like that. Uh, they do have uh, a rather high PE. Let's get back over to that page. It's at 131. But uh, they are a growth company. There is a lot of different things that are going well for Mercado Libre. There is uh, a lot of demand in uh, you know Latin America. They did outperform on uh, earnings per share by 76 cents. They beat on their revenues. They guided higher. There is a, a, a big market, growing demand, and um, more people catching on to what they're doing down there. So I do think that this is a good one. Uh, Chip ranks is saying they're 97% bullish versus the sector average being at 63%. Uh, so there is a lot of different reasons that I think that this one is a, is a real contender going forward and uh, could really own that market down there. Uh, number four, we've got uh, a pharmaceutical company. The only one that is going to have a dividend this week. And I think right now that is why this one is in the lead. It is a low volatility stock. Uh, well, I'll get I'll get to the name here. I won't leave you hanging. PFE Pfizer. Uh, so we've got a seven times PE. We've got uh, a four percent dividend. We've got some upside. We're coming off of uh, some highs. We are trending lower, but uh, we do have about twenty three point eight percent of upside for an average price target in the forty nines. We're sitting at forty. So this one uh, definitely trading down since COVID. Uh, we definitely have seen that that downward trend as some of that business has slowed. Uh, we we did peak uh, in 22. We were sitting in the in the low 50s. We did spike in December up in the 52 range. But uh, yeah, like I said, now we're sitting at $40. So uh, we did touch the low on March 2nd at 39.81. So we're sitting right at that uh, that low kind of price target or price range for the year. And uh, I do think that this one has a, 
a lot of different things going for them outside of vaccines. And uh, that is one of the reasons that I believe this one has sold off. So I do think that this could be a good purchase. We're still getting a strong 4% dividend. As I said earlier, that is uh, you know, what everyone's kind of benchmarking against right now in the way of T-bills. And this one has a good amount of upside, a low enough PE that I think that is very protected. So that was number four for this week. Number five is going to be, uh, we're going to look at C Limited, S-E-A uh, Limited. The ticker is S-E. Now, this one is a Southeast Asia play. They do gaming. They do uh, a lot of different things in the way of uh, of gaming, but they also have uh, digital entertainment, e-commerce, and digital payments and financial services. So we're looking at uh, a play in Taiwan, Thailand, Singapore, Malaysia, and the Philippines, uh, as well as some others. But they're definitely growing in that space. They are uh, a real contender in that area, like as kind of like Mercado Libre, where they are owning Latin America. Sea uh, Limited is owning that Southeast Asia market. And I think that this one could be a real uh, strong contender for a long-term growth play. So when I'm looking at analyst research, this is uh, currently sitting at $79.99. And we've got about 19% of upside at an average price target right around $95. So uh, the question we really need to ask ourselves is, do we want uh, you know some different growth plays that are outside of the US in the way of Mercado Libre C Limited? Do we want to uh, buy Salesforce as they are really trying to make a rebound from some of the lows that they uh, set in, you know, late last year? Uh, Bitcoin, do we want to buy that as some of the Silvergate problems are are really unfolding and uh, really wait for some long term run on Bitcoin? Or do we go the, the tried and true route of buying Pfizer, get that 4% dividend, buy it when it's at a low P.E. and uh you know, really add to that position while uh, things are cooling off of uh, their their COVID highs. So that's what I've got on those today. And uh, I really want to hear what you guys have to think about these. So uh, go ahead over there to Let It Grow Investing on Facebook. Get your votes in for week 11. I will continue to add $200 of my own money every Monday until the year is over. So I uh, definitely appreciate you guys getting over there and voting. I uh, definitely appreciate you guys subscribing, sharing, and inviting others to join in on the podcast. And if you're really feeling supportive, you can do that over there at anchor.fm slash let it grow. You can contribute to the podcast for as little as 99 cents a month. And uh, But truthfully, if you could just go ahead and subscribe and share, that would mean the world to me. So uh, with that being said, uh, thank you guys for tuning in. Thanks for stopping by, and I will catch you guys in the next one. Take care. Thank you for stopping by here on Let It Grow Investing. Please make sure to like, subscribe, and share to build a community of like-minded investors. If you do have questions for me or for the group, you can find us over there on Let It Grow Investing Podcast on Facebook. This is not professional financial advice. I am not a professional financial advisor. Please make sure to do all your own research before investing in any security. I do have links in the description to help get you started on E-Trade, Webull, Crypto.com, and Binance. And a friendly reminder that a goal without a plan is just a dream. So go ahead and build your plan. 
uh, design your portfolio and stick to it. Thanks for stopping by. I will catch you guys in the next one.